So I'm going to talk for a little bit to your parents to help them understand this, since y'all just got it from Claire. Also, right, the very first line from our gospel today, Jesus went off to the mountain to pray. And so as I was reading that, I thought it would be a good time for me to go off to the mountains. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pray as much as I should have. Uh, I did a lot of hiking. You can see, plus, we're talking about road trip, and so, like, I'm bringing a slideshow. Dad's coming back from vacation. you got to watch the slides. So this, I went to Bandelier National Monument, and uh, this is me inside a thousand-year-old place of worship. This is a kiva. This is where uh, native peoples would gather for worship and all that. I had to climb, like, 140 feet of ladders. That's me in the blue, yeah. See, I don't always wear black and robes. Uh, I do own real clothes, Carly. So I was up there, um, don't tell the National Park Service, but it was uh, thundering and lightning as well. And so we actually snuck into another cliff dwelling to escape some of the rain for a little bit, one you weren't supposed to be in. Uh, there's no photographic evidence of that one. Uh, also climbed up a bunch of mountains, and you can go here. I saw snow in August. Can you believe that? You're giving me a dirty look. Yeah, I tried to bring it back, but it was melting as soon as I, I picked it up. And then I made it to the very top of the highest point in New Mexico, Wheeler Peak. And when I was up there, I think the next slide has that, uh, I met a mountain goat at the peak. You can see um, right next to my bald head, there was a mountain goat that really likes peanut butter crackers. What? <laughs> so uh, I think these mountain goats are kind of tame. They wait up there for people to summit and then see what food they will get them. Uh, but then I also did some other things. I saw the Rio Grande Gorge Bridge. This is the second highest bridge on the US highway system. Y'all know that I love like the most in all of these. It's the 10th highest bridge in the United States, uh, but the second highest in the US highway system. Uh, but what I wanna talk a little bit about is this other bridge that's a lot lower down. This is a tiny bridge that crosses the Rio Grande River down at the base. This this is in New, I'm not in that. Um, this is the John Dunn Bridge. And if you know who John Dunn is, the next slide gives you a glimpse of his life. John Dunn was, was quite the guy. That's him kind of the, in the bottom there. He, he looks eccentric, right? Uh, he was born in uh, the mid-1800s. His dad was a Civil War veteran. He was born in Victoria, Texas. He was a troublemaker. I know we got no troublemakers up here, uh, but him, not you, uh, he, at, at one point early on in his life, he got in a fight with someone, and so he was arrested and sentenced to life in prison. And so he was, he was transferred to uh, yard duty, and in the midst of being transferred into yard duty, he somehow smuggled a file, and he filed off his leg irons and ran away. And so he went to Mexico, he went to New Mexico, he did all of this, but you know, Texans, they come back to Texas. And so Dunn came back, and uh, he, he got into horse racing, and he won a horse race, but then it came out that the horse he was on was stolen. <laughs> so he got arrested again. And um, so he's in the courtroom somewhere in Texas, and right before the judge sentences him, he runs, jumps out of the window of the courthouse, and runs away for the second time. <clears throat> you know, yeah. How did he get in the jail in the first place? He got arrested by the police or the Texas Rangers or someone. I don't know how he got in there. So he escaped for the second time. This, 
This time he was a little bit smarter about it. He went to New Mexico and he stayed. Uh, There's probably a warrant out for his arrest in Texas. And so he went to New Mexico and the top right, he started a cab service outside of Taos in, in um, a small town outside of Taos. Taos is where I was all week. And so I saw a lot of John Dunn. He started um, a taxi service with a horse-drawn carriage. He got into gambling and he controlled the gambling around the region. And so he made a lot of money, right? He bought the first car in Taos, and so he upgraded his cab service from a horse-drawn carriage to this car. But then the interesting thing is, is once he realized he controlled transportation, he also realized he needed to control the traffic. And so there was one little bridge across the Rio Grande River, and he bought it. And he started to charge tolls. And so someone else built another bridge that was free down the way, so what did he do? He bought it. And so he bought both of those bridges. Uh, within a couple of years, they burned down. He built them again and uh, started to charge tolls. He, legend has it, it, with John Dunn, it's hard to know what's truth and what's legend. He's one of those larger-than-life characters. He became an upstanding citizen. He eventually gave the bridge over to the community, and it became a free bridge. What I saw uh, is a recreation of that. It actually has walls. I don't think I would have driven across that thing in a car. But what John... Done realized is that when you can control traffic, when you can control a bridge, when you can control passageways over water, uh, you can, can kind of control everything. So that made me think about Jesus walking on water. This story, the way it's told today, is unique to, to the Gospel of Matthew. And if you think about the time period in which Matthew's writing, Matthew's telling this story about Jesus for a very particular reason. Because the idea of walking on water wasn't just something that Jesus came up with. There was a uh, Greek king, Antiochus, who uh, about 100 or so years before Jesus, uh, he persecuted the Jews, he um, defiled the temple, he did a lot of things, um, and so he was a a big figure. One thing that uh, scripture, uh, Maccabees, it's a book we never read from, It says about this guy, Antiochus, it says um, he could walk across where it was appropriate for a god. Uh, No, sorry. For Antiochus, it was um, in his arrogance, he could sail on the land and walk on the sea. And so Antiochus thought um, that as a god as a king, as a ruler, it was his prerogative to walk on a sea. And then a little bit after Jesus, around the time when Matthew's writing, there was a a Roman leader named Caligula. If you want to know about Caligula, ask your parents. (laughs) He uh, was a pretty eccentric guy. And one thing he did was he built a 50-kilometer-long footbridge across the Bay of Naples so he could walk across because he was too good to ride in a boat. Because he saw himself as a god, and he thought that he should be able to walk across the water. So when we hear these stories of Jesus walking across the water, they don't come out of nowhere. They come out of a people who understand that those with power, that those with authority, that those who claim to be God try to walk on water. And Jesus actually did it. And so that's a little bit about Jesus walking on the water. But what I want to talk to y'all for a little bit about today, what Miss Claire talked about, is Peter walking on the water. 
Did, was he able to walk on water at first? Yeah. He, he stepped out. Remember? Come on. We, Walker, you need to pay attention. This isn't boding too well for the school year starting, y'all. Uh, you know, he stepped out. He stepped on the water. And everything was great when he was listening to Jesus, right? Because it was nighttime. There was a storm. When it's dark and stormy, you can't really see anything, right? But what did they do? They heard Jesus' voice. And so when Peter heard Jesus' voice, took a step out of the water, he could walk on water. But then what happened? He sunk. He started to notice the waves around him. He started to notice the rain. He started to notice the storm. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He took his ears off of Jesus. And he looked at the chaos. He looked at the storm. He looked at all of the trouble around him. And he began to sink. But did Jesus leave him alone then? No. What did Jesus do? Jesus reached out his hand and helped him up. And so what does that mean for us? Like Miss Claire said, there's a lot of times in our lives where it feels like the waves are overwhelming us. Maybe we have to start school this week. One of you has to start tomorrow. Who starts tomorrow? You started? I'm sorry. Yeah. And y'all started. You started a second. You, yeah, you got to go back. You got to keep going back. But then you're going to have homework, and that's not always the best. And then maybe you'll get in a fight with your friends, and that's not always the best. And then there's other things that happen. Sometimes life at home's not always the best. Sometimes we adults get stressed over things. Sometimes we get in fights with our friends. Sometimes we struggle with the people who love us. There's all sorts of things that want to be waves crashing around us, that want to take our attention away. But what we need to do, what all of the readings today have in common, all of them, Elijah, the Psalm, Paul, and the Gospel, what they all have in common is listening. This isn't just a lesson for what you need to do with your teachers. Listen, although that is what you need to do with your teachers. But Elijah, when he's listening for the voice of God, he has to get past the fire and the wind and the storm and listen in the quiet for God. Paul talks about hearing the voice of God. The psalm says, I will listen for God's voice. And Peter can walk on water when he listens to God. And that's great because we think God says a lot of things, right? God says to do this and do this and do this and do this. I'm not talking about all that. Although those are things that, that we'll talk about and that y'all talk about in Children's Chapel. What y'all need to know this week when you start school, what y'all need to know as you go back to work or whatever is the very first thing that's going to be on our backpack tags. God loves you. If you listen to that, that's all that matters. Everything else flows from that. The way we treat other people, the way we see ourselves, all of that flows from us listening to the fact that God loves us. And so in just a minute, I'm going to pray for all these tags. You're all going to get one. It says, be loved, be kind, be you. 
Because when we listen to the truth that God loves us, we can love other people. We can be kind. When we listen to the truth that God loves us, we can be ourselves. We can embrace our identities however God created us. We can be us. You can be you. But it all starts with knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt, understanding beyond everything that God loves you.